Hi, I am Cassie. And I'm Evelyn. Welcome to the Stream of Life podcast, where we share stories that inspire actions for peace, security, and justice. Welcome, dear listeners. Today's website is about who am I and the meaning of life. So, Evelyn, let me ask you the first two questions. Who are you and how do you define who you are? Kasi, this is a very broad question, but I will try because I believe that as people who are searching for peace and security, it is very, very important that we first establish who we are. Discovered that uh, when I'm as a scholar and as a practitioner in peace studies and security, I cannot give what I do not have. I become more effective if I know myself. So knowing myself is really very, very important. Who am I? Is a broad question. I'll try to answer it at different levels. Uh, of course, many times we define ourselves from our countries of origin uh, or from our academic achievements and so many other areas that we can use to express who we are. But today I will focus on the essence of who I am. With the time we have come to discover that uh, really what defines me is the virtue and the essence of being a human person. Why do I start with this? Because I find that all the others are just externals, that they don't live with me forever. And that's where, for example, if when we are at a conference, I will say the academic achievements, academic titles. If I'm somewhere in a village carrying out research, I will just describe myself as a woman from East Africa. But I find that all those are building on the fact of being a human person. And what do I mean by being a human person? In life, I've come to live through a lot of struggle, especially with war, violence, genocides in the Great Lakes region, for example, the Rwandan genocide, the violence in Northern Uganda, uh, the 2007 post-election violence in Kenya. So I've grown up in that environment. And with this, I've come to discover that who I am is really understood only if I come to the grasp of the fact that I'm a human being. And knowing that I'm a human being has helped me to become very compassionate, very empathic, because as a human being, I don't describe myself according to the color of my skin or according to my gender or to my academic achievements. No, it is really that human condition that connects me to each and every person on this planet. And then if I know or as I have gradually discovered who I am, it has helped me to become very, very humble, that Mm -hmm. I can bend to the needs or to the situation of each and every person I found on this planet. I've traveled so many countries, but I find that this human condition is the same everywhere. Normal beings appreciate empathy 
appreciate compassion, appreciate forgiveness. And with all the suffering that we are meeting today, I've come to believe that it is only being human that will save us. Sadly, we are living in a society, probably due to capitalist exploitation, that we have come to categorize ourselves into, I would say, we look at people in relation to classes, races, achievements, possessions, but all those things are so, so shallow that at the end of the day, when I'm sick, when I meet an accident, especially when I'm in violence and all the different situations that we face in life, really what counts is being human, not material possessions, not classes. It is the essence of being human. So who am I? It is really just about being a human being who is helping others also to realize their humanity. That every day, we are here living only to become better human beings. Mm-hmm. I look at life, Cassie, like a stream, a journey that passes, that is flowing every day. And we make a difference in the measure that we have grappled with our humanity, becoming better human beings and empowering others to become their best human self. Because at the end of the day, because sometimes life is so mysterious that when we are living, we are always planning for tomorrow, but we don't know how this tomorrow is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But today we are here. Maybe tomorrow we're not to be here. So then what counts as I live every minute of my life? It is like the essence of being human and empowering others to be their best self. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all about respecting individuals human dignity exactly you are right on uh how about you how do you define yourself who are you this is definitely an interesting questions and as you already said i think we our identity is so complex there's so many different aspects of our identity that i feel like it depends on the situation where when i feel an aspect of my identity is more important than the other, or it's become more prominent. So maybe I will answer this question based on my experience as an international student from Vietnam living in the US and in Canada. I remember about, like, I think after two years after I studied abroad, I start to realize that I am more aware of my Vietnamese identity when I'm in a foreign land. Like things that I take for granted are now being looked at with strange eyes by people who do not look like me or talk like me. And when I was in the US, I stayed with a white American host family. And although I appreciate that they taught me a lot about American culture, I also felt a sense of loss. Um, I wasn't allowed to speak in Vietnamese unless I was talking to my parents who barely understood English at all. And I think there's a big difference between you encourage someone to speak English, to practice English, than to forbid someone from speaking in their mother's tongue, right? 
And I feel like that left a mark on my identity in a sense that I felt a need to hold stronger to my identity as a Vietnamese because I'm afraid that I may lose it. Like I know that part of my identity is not everything. And the other aspect of my identity is like being a woman, straight woman, an Asian woman from a lower middle-class family. And yet all of that aspect of my identity being Vietnamese was the one that I referred to the most when I was in the U.S. because I just felt that part of my identity was being, um, how I say, like threatened. And I remember reading in my class last semester about identity theory that identity is one of our basic human needs and conflict will arise if it is being threatened. And now as I guess I reflect and think about it, that conflict may not be an external conflict. It can be just a conflict within oneself. Like I always feel that conflict growing me to that I feel afraid that when I start to feel comfortable thinking in English, it means I'm going to lose my identity in a sense. My host family used to say, you know you're American when you start to dream in English. And now that sentence is racist. Let's just throw it out there. But if we only focus on the concept of language and identity, I think it's so true, right? Because language reflects our identity and also reconstruct our identity. So when I start to feel comfortable thinking and speaking in English, I feel like there's other part of me, the Vietnamese identity that is being or getting lost. And maybe this question have to tie back with the idea of neoliberalism and neocolonialism, or just colonialism in general. This idea of English is it's assumed to be a superior language and that the Western knowledge is to be superior. And I know a lot of people would love to be able to speak English comfortably, to sound like a native English speaker, whatever that means. But for me, it's troubling. (laughs) And somehow it has to do with, I guess, my identity in a sense. Yeah, so I don't know if I actually have answer the question, but that was my thinking. I totally agree with you that this is a very complex question and many times it goes unanswered. But also if we fail to answer it, then we risk living life without a meaning. So I really appreciate the fact that uh, even if we don't have, and of course nobody can say that this is a right or a wrong answer, but to grapple with that such every day, who am I? What is my identity? Where do I belong? Who are my people? Because as we have said, starting to dream in English will not make you an American because when you go on the streets, again, they will say, yeah, this is an Asian country. You are not an American. Mm -hmm. And uh, for myself, for example, being of an African descent, I see this very, very real wherever I am. People will say, are you from Africa? And whenever that is said, are you from Africa? It brings so many connotations, starting with the issues of slavery, uh, colonialism, as you mentioned earlier. And so all that is a baggage that goes with our identities. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
And I think because I tend to look at um, social issues from a post-colonial lens, that's why I struggle daily with this idea of trying to resist against neocolonialism. Right? I know I have. To, I'm studying at a Western university, so I have to use English. I have to write in English, and I do appreciate English as a language. But I also constantly challenge myself to not. Think of English as a, you can say a commodity or human capital, in the sense that it have economic values that can exchange. Right? I want to appreciate English as a language, as a culture, and not as a tool to gain certain privilege or benefit just because it's more Western. Yeah, that's very true. But then, because we have a challenge, you know, that you and me and so many others, when we leave our home countries. We risk losing ourselves completely, and one of the first things that we lose is really language, because mm-hmm. you find that uh, in the struggle to belong where you are, you try to to imitate what others do, to imitate the way people speak, to imitate the way people behave, or the way they do things, and in that way, then we lose ourselves, but also the values that would enable us maybe to become not only to become more human, but to feel happy. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you're always trying to fit into someone else's shoes and you will never be able. But that has really become a temptation for so many international students. And it has really become a crisis. As an educator, I'm aware of that, that many international students are going through that crisis of trying to belong, trying to to fit into the new society, into the new culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's not just international students. I know even a lot of students in Vietnam feel the same pressure because that's what the society has been telling them, right? That we're in a globalized world. So you need to know English. You need to be more Western in a sense. And I think it's a really a troubling issue because it's, challenge our identity is in a sense it's kind of undermine a part of your identity yeah yeah and probably that's where we need to go and rediscover our roots because whether we like it or not we not only become like western people and mm-hmm. i think we need to discover the value of diversity each one of us is so unique our cultures are so unique And we can bring a lot of richness in our uniqueness, Mm -hmm. whereas uniformity destroys us. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I agree. Because I feel like once we start thinking about differences instead of, I guess, diversity and equity, we risk being in between either become like a nationalist, so very inward, just kind of like close ourselves, or we risk being a part of like this neoliberal structure and lose our identities. I think we're really walking a thin line between that binary. And I guess the question is kind of like, what beyond that binary? Is there a different kind of future where we can be both, that we can appreciate diversity and be rooted in values, uh, you say, of human values instead of bowing with Thin, either national values or neoliberal values? 
Yeah, I think that is something that uh, as educators, we have a little focus on and ensure that uh, all the people we meet, the students we educate, if they will be feeling comfortable in their skins, instead of always trying to become like others, there's beauty in each one of us. Mm-hmm. There's beauty in who we are. We don't need to become like somebody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we enrich each other in the measure that we are different, not in uniformity. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there is really work to do. I think that it all boils down to empowering people to believe in themselves, to love themselves out there. Yes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that we don't learn from others, but we learn what is positive from others without trying to become like them. Yeah. So this may um, connect to our second question, which is, do you think how you define your identity change depending on the context? Uh, when I was young, yes. I, I was just trying to fit in. But as I grow up, uh, no. Wherever I am, I try to leave out that humanness because I feel that in that way, where I reach out to every person just as a human being, simple as I am, in that way, I empower others. And I like it, our symbol, our website symbol, the stream, that this is a life that is like how water flows. I see life as flowing water where every drop matters. And in mm-hmm. my humanity, in my belief, in that essence of being human, I reach to every person or I try to connect to all people like drops of water connecting with each other to form a stream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you? Does it change depending on the context? I think for me, I try my best to be authentic and to be who I am. But I definitely feel like how... I define not really about how I define myself, but just different aspects of my identity become more prominent depending on the context. Like, I don't know if you have ever experienced this before, but sometimes because of certain aspects of your identity, you feel like you need to work harder just to prove yourself. Yeah, many times. Yeah. So like one time when I was an intern for this organization, I was obviously a young Asian college student and I was in a meeting with 10 white male managers who are in their 50s and their 60s. And if you talk about racism, sexism and ageism, I just felt like everything was going against me in that room. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I had to work harder and harder just to prove to those people that I am worthy of their attention. And it feels really exhausting because the truth is I didn't know if any of the managers was racist or sexist or ageist. I just think that I am safe to assume the worst scenario because it is so common in the workplace in the U.S., right? So sometimes, yeah, I just feel like I am more aware of certain aspects of my identity depending on where I am and who I am talking with it may have to tie in with the issue of power imbalance very true 
I totally agree with you that uh, especially when we are living in the Western world, we have to a lot. It's like you are always trying to prove your worth. And that mm-hmm. is exhausting. Yes. Mm-hmm. If only we knew that uh, we are all human beings, we don't need to prove to each other. It is only to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the importance of really knowing what matters in life is, I feel that that is something that the whole human race has messed up. That we yes. have put issues like wealth, being man or woman, gender, uh, achievements, we have put such elements above the essence of being human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And mm-hmm. we have lived through this, uh, maybe you, for you know, but for me, I've seen people being killed because of power. Mm-hmm. Uganda is going through a very difficult time. Young people who are sup- supporting a, uh, an opposition are being killed, being kidnapped. Mm-hmm. It's all because of power. We have gone through this in Rwanda where we had yeah. the genocide. Again, people of different ethnic groups killing each other because of power, because of being different. But, but at the end of the day, when everybody is killed and breeding, we feel the same pain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then yes. Why do we cause pain to each other? That's something that I'm grappling with every day. But mm-hmm. then there's also the equalizer that rich, poor, black, white, Asian, European, African, Nobody is going to live in this world forever. We are all here like visitors. Today we are here, tomorrow we are gone. So why don't we focus on what really matters in life? Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, as times I laugh about that, that we call it the equalizer. Whether we like it or not, death makes us all equal. Nobody is to live here forever. So why don't we invest in what makes us happy and at the same time, empower others to live their lives to the full. Mm-hmm. Yes, empowerment. That's very, very important. Yeah. So, okay. Um, I'm just curious, seeing you have mentioned multiple times that you are from the Great Lake region in Africa. So obviously, both you and me, we weren't born in Canada. We come here to study and to work. Yeah. When you go home, do you feel belong? And maybe the bigger question is, how do you define home? Exactly. Because that is a very important question. Today, it is very difficult for me to define where is home. Let me start with the first question that you raised. Do I belong when I go home? No. Because people say, yeah, oh, you are coming from America, you are coming from Canada, you are coming from where, Australia, wherever. So the moment they start, that is like, you don't belong. Mm-hmm. And in many African countries, it is even worse. Because you belong. If, if, for example, you meet someone from your ethnic group, you say, yeah, here you are at home. You meet someone else from over different ethnic group, there is that the look will make you feel like I don't belong here. Let me give you an example. Once I went to, I was in Kenya. I went for shopping. In front of me, there was a white lady. She had a bag. 
in the shopping mall usually people people's bags are checked depending on who is there or they are showing a place where they have to to keep them probably a suspicion that some people maybe will run away with or the things in the shopping mall or whatever so then this white woman was allowed to pass with her bag without being checked me being a black woman coming from behind the woman who was at the door stopped me and said give me your bag i need to check it and here i am an african person in kenya the white woman passed without having her bag checked but me because of being a black person she asked for my bag i said mm-hmm. no in africa the white person has passed without having her bag checked me who is an african even here in kenya my bag has to be t- checked because i'm suspected of maybe stealing something i refused yeah. and mm-hmm. i said you know what call the manager i want to talk to him i cannot accept uh, accept this continuous dehumanization just because of the color of my skin mm-hmm. yeah so that question is really very very important when i go home no i don't feel that i belong so then i'm living in a continuous identity crisis that when i'm in the west every day they ask me so where are you from again that indicates that you don't belong here i go home i'm looked at like i'm some an alien yeah mm-hmm. and they will ask me so what sometimes what is your ethnic group where are you from yeah i'm struggling with that where do i belong who am i really if even in my home country in my african continent i'm not accepted i don't feel accepted Mhm. How about you? I think my situation would be a little bit different because Vietnam is quite homogeneous in terms of population. Yeah. But I definitely feel similar to your feeling of not feeling like I am belong. It definitely feel weird. I first went to the US on August 2012. So I was only 16 years old at that time. We are talking about nine years ago. The problem is when I left, I was only 16. Yeah. You know what I meant? Like I went, if at that time I can went to like go to a coffee shop or a restaurant or a store and the staff there would be older than me. In Vietnam, we don't just use you and I pronouns. We have different pronouns based on age, gender, relationship. It's quite complicated. Yeah. So now when I come back to Vietnam, everyone is younger than I am. And I'm just really confused about what to say to people. I don't know how to address them appropriately. Like, um, am, I, am I older? Am I supposed to say something like I am younger? I don't know. And it's just... It feel like I got stuck in a moment of time when I was only 16. But then the world around me changed and in my memory Vietnam was still what it was when I was 16. Yeah. And I just I remember there was a time when I did not come back to Vietnam for two years and when I come back I just couldn't even recognize my street. And perhaps this ties back to your question about what is home 
I'm a Marvel fan, so I remember this quote from the movie Thor Ragnarok. It say like Asgard is not a place, it's a people. And in that quote, Thor was talking about his home, not as in a physical or geographical sense, but about emotions and the connection that he has with the people. And maybe that's for me too, because I have been living outside Vietnam for nine years. My family in Vietnam has been moving a lot and also moved from the US to Canada. So sometimes I feel like I'm a nomad. I go everywhere. I don't really stay in a place for too long. And where everywhere I go, I just try my best to make connections with the communities there. Not only through, I guess, maybe through those deep connections that I feel a sense of belonging. And perhaps that's what it means home. I am not sure. Um, I know for a lot of indigenous people in Canada, for example, this idea of the earth as like the mother earth and everything is connected. And I wonder if that is a better answer for the question of where is home? Because hmm. I, I agree with you. And uh, I think we have something similar because when I was growing up, my mother also, we used to move from place to place. And uh, I would say it has really helped me to train my brain to come to the fact that I, I would say I bloom wherever I am. Mm-hmm. When I go home, things will be different. When I come back, for example, to Canada, things will be different. But uh, yeah, I just bloom where I am because life has to go on. And today, maybe this is one of my conviction that uh, we have to belong wherever we are. We are global citizens. Yeah, mm-hmm. the world has become a global village, and I think even politics, economics, everything has to enable you and me and everybody to feel at home wherever we are. And mm-hmm. this brings me to a number of issues and the times when we talk about where do I belong. Yeah, the last time. In our previous podcast, we talked about becoming global citizens. And I think that is very important. Probably with the words we used, we're not exactly being global citizens, but the fact of being, we are one. Nature is inviting us more to unity than divisions. Mm -hmm. We are all grappling with COVID. There isn't any part of this planet that is not struggling with COVID. So it is like nature wants us to believe that we are so interconnected, but I don't know what is really a limitation with humans that we think that we are different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that may have to do with this idea of labeling people. Because for example, when I was back in Vietnam, for some reason, people was real, some people are really interested in my identity as an international student. I remember some people even try to speak to me in English because they say, oh, you're an international student in the US, you must have really good English. Why don't you try to practice English with me? I'm like, oh, I don't want to speak English to a Vietnamese person in Vietnam, especially when we are friends. 
I thought we could be able to communicate normally, but somehow that person only focused on me being an international student and my ability to speak English and not any other my quality. And I, yeah, that's just, I felt very difficult at that moment. Like, how am I supposed to respond? Should I go with the flow and just speak in English to that person? Or should I say, no, let's not do that? I'm not sure. Hmm. Yeah, I see the point. Yeah, like somehow being educated in a Western country just give you a different identity or benefit. And yet I'm like, I am still a poor, broke college student. I live on my scholarship. It doesn't change anything. But when I'm back to Vietnam, that education, that ability to speak English make me somehow become more worthy economically, <laughs> I think, for a lot of people. I'm like, no, why don't we think in a different way? Let's resist that neoliberal ways of thinking. But again, because uh, that's where sometimes neoliberalism, capitalism, society suck us in. Mm-hmm. Because that's what the society values. You speak English well, yeah, you will have a great job. Yes, and yeah. It takes mm-hmm. away from the essence of being human. Of course, it is encouraging that we have to work hard and people should be, should be rewarded for their hard work. But it shouldn't take away the value of being human and how everyone with dignity should be respected. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned the word global citizen before, and you talk about how you, I guess, resist being asked to open your bag um, in Africa because you think that is a way to dehumanize people. I was just wondering, you know, seeing we are we have been traveled to so many places as global citizen what do you think are your responsibilities in all of these places i would say wherever i am responsibilities will vary but one remains everywhere that wherever i am i work towards building a better human society which is mm-hmm. peaceful and secure yeah mm-hmm. And I live everywhere, respecting everyone whose rights, everyone whose dignity, regardless of all the differences that we talked about before. And I feel that wherever I am, I try to build. I contribute to the community as much as I can. Yeah. I mm-hmm. try, and most especially because of my, my vocation for peace and security. Yes, that's the contribution I make wherever I am to ensure that with the scholarship, influencing society, influencing in local communities, I try to plant that seed of together we have to work for peace, security, and dignity of every person. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Thank you. How about you? I guess when I'm thinking of the word responsibility, I I always um, I guess come back to this book It's called The Color of Law by Richard Rosten. And right from the beginning, he says it's very clear that being an American, for example, 
one does not simply enjoying every benefit of being an American without carrying the responsibilities that come with that identity of being an American. And I thought that was very true. Like, for example, I'm here in Canada to study. So in a sense, I consider myself a guest in Canada, right? And there's responsibilities that come with it. And I'm not talking about responsibility to the Canadian government, like paying tax and stuff, because that, yes, that's like legal aspect. I'm talking about something else, about like contributing to societies. So for example, there was First Nations people who had been here for thousands of years. So for me, as somebody who's studying in Winnipeg, it means that I have to acknowledge and recognize that I am living on the original land of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Oji Cree, Dakota, and Pleasantini peoples, and also the Métis nations, right? I have to be the person that acknowledge that, and I need to continuously deepen my understanding of the history and the relationship between the indigenous people in Canada and the Canadian government. And I guess I also have the responsibility to honor and protect the land and to understand that Canada and Winnipeg and all of this, this is stolen land that I need to be standing with indigenous communities that have been residing here for thousands of years. And I feel like that is something not all international students or immigrants think about mm-hmm. because there's just this common narrative or discourse, as you would say, that I feel like Canada and the U.S. is very white. Like, yeah, we talk about it's like a multicultural nation, but it's still a Western nation. And when we use the word Western, we somehow undermine the fact that there was indigenous pupils here before the European colonizer came. And recognize that existence, that history, and continue to empower indigenous people is so important. And I don't think we talk enough or we don't teach enough to immigrants and newcomers and international students. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah, very, very important. Mm-hmm. So the importance of focusing on our being global citizens is very, very important. Yes. Mm -hmm. And just like when I go back to Vietnam, I also have responsibility in Vietnam. And it doesn't have to be something big. I think something small, like starting from home. Um, I've been very fortunate to have my parents who are very open-minded. And I can talk to them about what I learned about gender, non-binary, LGBTQ rights. I can talk to them about the politics in the U.S. and what that means in Vietnam. And I think it's important to have the conversation even just at home or within friends because it's really bringing new perspective for people. And I hope that can we can make changes from small actions. It doesn't have to be as big as creating a new social movement. It can just be starting from home. Yeah, I totally agree that uh, starting from home, it has to be that conversation that is being carried on. And actually, Cassie, that's one reason why we have this podcast, that we start a conversation 
on all these mm -hmm. issues that maybe many times are not brought to the table? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, you are lucky to have your parents who are very open because all the values that we have as human beings and we come to know who we are from our families, the role of parents is very, very important. Mm -hmm. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Hey, thank you, Evelyn, for sharing your thoughts and your stories today. I think we're really trying to delve into big questions. And I guess maybe we didn't really have concrete answers to so big questions, and that is okay. These kind of questions are questions that I think we should always constantly go back to and reflect on in order to grow and become a better person. I totally agree. Thank you, too. And as we conclude this podcast, let's focus on this element that we'll be revisiting every now and then, the issue of being a human person who empower others. And keeping in mind the fact that an injustice anywhere is an injustice everywhere. If someone is disempowered, if someone's humanity is trampled upon every time, we should all feel the obligation to take action. Together, we can change the injustices in our global society. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Cassie. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for stories to come. If you have stories you would like to share, email us at streamoflifeblog at gmail.com. Violence, insecurity, and injustice everywhere is a threat to peace, security, and justice everywhere. We are so interconnected than we imagined or wish to believe.